So today, 77 WABC is celebrating Pride Day. Your next host says he officiated the city's first gay marriage back in the 1970s, and he danced the robot all night at the reception. In fact, I can see Curtis Lewa is doing the robot dance right now. Ah, well, James Flippin, we'll talk about that in our final segment. I was the first person ever to oversee, to actually minister a gay marriage between Ralphie and Vinny when I was the night manager of Mickey D's back in 1977 in the Bronx. We'll get to that. But there is an issue right now that deals with uh, the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, who has gotten very conspiratorial since his Father's Day message in the Black Baptist Church in Flatbush, Brooklyn, on Sunday. Yesterday, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, he made it appear as if there was a cabal out there trying to prevent him from winning a second term and that it is part of the deep state of New York City. You must understand, no matter how much there's an attempt to invalidate the success we're making as a city, it's a coordinated effort that... People say it took 30 years before we had a mayor of color after David Dinkins. We cannot allow this mayor to do two terms. And we must understand that. Mm. Very conspiratorial. Thinking that there is a deep state that exists here in the city of New York. It's hush, hush, mush, mush. Um, Lou... I think it's time that we let the mayor know what his conspiratorial instincts have guided him towards. In fact, a little drum roll, please. A little drum roll. Okay, enough, enough, because I'm feeling like I'm going to be executed there in the gallows. Probably if Eric Adams has his way, because on the... Sit in friends in the morning as I'm on every morning at 7.05. I revealed who is behind this attempt to stop Eric Adams from having a second four-year term as mayor. Yesterday, uh, in his drug-induced psychosis, said that there was a co- coordinated effort to relegate him to a one-term mayor. He wouldn't say who it was. It's me, Eric Adams! Every waking moment of my day and my life, I'm working to make sure you're a one-term mayor because you're a crackpot. You're crazy. You're ubots. You're titch. All the furniture is upstairs and rearranged in the wrong rooms. Kunta Kinte. Can you believe that, ladies and gentlemen? He's thinking that this is some kind of deep state in New York City trying to prevent a righteous, Euro-Asiatic black man the opportunity of serving a second term. And remember, he actually believes that God is talking to him now on a regular basis. I got to tell you, as in the streets of New York City today, running all over, more people stopped me and said, save the city, Curtis. This guy's a nut job. He's thinking that God is talking to him. He's like one step away from being put into a straitjacket and sent for a psychiatric observation. This is the Riffin' Reed. The- 
featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Riffin' Isn't that what Christianity preaches, whether you're Protestant or Catholic, is that you have to find the stairway to heaven. You must get closer to God. So of late, our Mayor Eric Adams, never really my mayor, mayor of the illegal aliens, has been talking about conversations that he's had with God in which God has spoke to him, not in tongues, not through a a bush that was on fire, not through an angel of mercy, but directly to him. Because according to some of his followers, led by Ingrid Lewis Martin, who has free access at City Hall, she has no position, but she is the Svengali, the female Rasputin. He has been deemed by the divine, by God, to save us. And it goes all the way back to 30 years. Padre Filius Spiritus Santum. There was Eric Adams in 1992, a house mouse in the police department. Rudy Giuliani was battling to save our city against the preferred candidate of Eric Adams, David Dinkins. And all of a sudden, God came to him. And he broke out in a cold sweat. Thirty-something years ago, I woke up out of my sleep in a cold sweat. God spoke to my heart and said, you are going to be the mayor January 1st, 2022. And the message was, God stated, you cannot be silent. You must tell everyone you know. Because it's a Judges 7 first two through seven moment because when you win the battle I don't want you to think that you won on your own and I don't want people to think that you won because of you who you are Hmm. and then all of a sudden it was quiet apparently God did not have a conversation with Eric Adams for quite some time and then uh, a few months ago 
uh, the mayor, Eric Adams, resurrected that idea that he was the chosen one. I would not be the mayor of the city of New York if it wasn't that God saw something in me. I am the most imperfect, most perfectly imperfect human being. I am here not because I'm the smartest, not because I'm the brightest. I'm here because in all my heart, I believe that is the Esther 4 and 14th moment. God made me for such a time like this. Hmm. Who reminded him, who reconnected him with God. But his female Rasputin, Ingrid Lewis Martin, who has unfettered access to every agency and city hall and in this government bureaucracy, even though she has no official title. We've seen figures like this in history whether through Kabbalah or mysticism or can get someone in a trance-like state and make them believe that they are the anointed one. And then just a couple of months ago, apparently, as Eric Adams was in prayer with Ingrid Lewis Martin at City Hall, God came to him again after a 30-year hiatus. And let me tell you what happened a couple of months ago. The same message I got 30 years ago, a few months ago, I woke up, same, same state. God said, talk about God. And I started to say, don't tell me about separation of church and state. Which is exactly what Ingrid Lewis Martin, his female Rasputin, was telling him. Eric, there is no separation of church and state. You are divinely guided. You are the chosen one. At this time in our history, you're here to save us from falling into the abyss. And then Eric resumed his conversation with God. Yes, a direct one-on-one pipeline in which God was telling him what his role was now after he had been elected mayor. And as I moved closer and closer, God said, write in your journal everything that you see that needs to be fixed in the city. And every night before going to bed, I make another entry in my journal. We are to believe that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who's mayor of the nightlife, who every early morning hour is in a nightclub somewhere within our city, but mostly a Club Zero Bond, a private club, where whatever goes on in Club Zero Bond stays in Club Zero Bond. It's decadence and debauchery. That's why you have a private club, cocaine everywhere, drugs everywhere. Whatever your predilection is, you can satisfy your lustful urges at the Club Zero Bond. And then he descends down to the streets before the break of dawn, gets into his NYPD-driven SUV with his intel unit there, and God sitting in the SUV waiting to sanctify him from all of his ungodly behaviors that he practiced, the hedonistic activity that goes on in these private clubs. That's why they exist. Come on. 
We all know that. But he's reminded us from time to time from the bully pulpit that God created him for this occasion. And in fact, re-enhancing that has been Ingrid Lewis Martin again. You don't know much about her. She is the female Svengali, the female Rasputin at City Hall, with no defined role, no defined job description. She has free access to go in and out of any meeting. If Eric Adams is there, Ingrid Lewis Martin is right at his side whispering, Remember, God speaks through you, Eric. And this is an Esther 4 and 14th moment. God made me for such a time like this. God took the most perfectly imperfect person and brought him to a level of being the most powerful mayor in the, in the city of New York. The most powerful mayor in the city of New York. There's only one mayor. Now, maybe it was a misspeak. You know, sometimes God does misspeak. Maybe he was trying to say, Eric Adams, that he was more powerful than at any point of Rudy Giuliani's eight years or Michael Bloomberg's 12 years when the city was riding high, things were going so well. We had a Republican governor. Happy birthday, George Pataki, celebrated his birthday yesterday up in Putnam. 12 years, great government in Albany. 20 years of great Republican government in the city of New York. Maybe that's what he meant, that he was the greatest of the great. Okay, God is entitled to a misspeak also. And then finally, Eric Adams, every day wants all of you to know that he is marching to the drumbeat of what God's speech to him commands him to do on behalf of all of us. The same voice that brought me here is going to sustain me here. That is why I am what I am. And I walk in my power. I walk in my glory. Now, yesterday, I took a great deal of time reaching out to experts playing what Eric Adams is now saying for the last four days. So it's not like, okay, he got caught up in being a holy roller on the Black Baptist church stage in Flatbush on Sunday. Sometimes it happens. We saw that happen with Al Gore, Hillary. They do black speak. They try to keep the beat. And obviously, as white people, they don't have the beat. But they don't start speaking in tongues. So... On behalf of all of our citizens, those who uh, believe that, in fact, Eric Adams is divinely guided, and those of us who believe that he has gone over the deep edge, I brought this to a number of experts, many of them who were Democrats, many of them who openly supported Eric Adams and are very concerned. Lou, we came to a conclusion because he's up 24-7-365. He's up more than I'm up. But you can tell when I've been up for long hours. You can read it in my face. I'm tired. Eric Adams never appears to be tired. I can tell you from my experiences, especially for many years being with people who would party all night to the wee hours of the morning, and then go out and work and work hard and not nod out and not take naps. 
that this could be a direct result of the use of amphetamines, which uh, in our country has reached epidemic proportions. There's no doubt about it. Most people I spoke with yesterday, uh, Lou, agreed that the psychosis following amphetamine use, which keeps you awake, and makes you look uh, like you're fresh, refreshed, like there's not a line in your face, is characterized by persecutory delusions, which Eric Adams is going through now. Visual hallucinations and symptoms resembling acute psychosis. And I'm of the belief that this might be one of the three problematic scenarios that your mayor, Eric Adams, mayor of the illegal aliens, is going through. When we come back, part two, there's so much here. His attacks on the media, which he claims are now whipping him in a slave-like manner. Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Upset Eric Adams with the fact that he has been whipped, thrashed, flogged by this McWhitey Whitey media. And he's decided enough is enough. He'll no longer be a slave to any white entity, any white man, any crackers. But this all started back in June of 2022. Remember, Eric Adams told us when he was running for election as the mayor, when he became mayor, he would go up to Albany and he knew all the players. Remember, he served eight years in the state Senate. He was best friends with the crook speaker of the assembly, Carl Hasty of the Bronx, who replaced the crook of all crooks, Sheldon Silver, a.k.a. Hyman Roth, a.k.a. Uh, <laughs> Meyer Lansky, who, who I, who I actually went down to his co-op when the federal government had released him secretly from Otisville, ratted him out, and he sent him back so he could die and go straight to hell. Uh, the greedy son of a bitch that he was. But anyway, it's all about putting your beak in the trough. And when you're up there amongst all these Elected officials in the state Senate and the state assembly, Democrats and Republicans. It's all about how am I going to feed myself? How am I going to feed the people? Show me the money. Show me the money. 
That's what it's all about. So that was what State Senator Eric Adams said on the first day he was sworn in in the state legislature before family and friends, media, and, of course, all the lobbyists who wind down in pocket line at our taxpayers' expense. And he went on record as saying it's all about the money. So he figured it's homecoming. He's the mayor. I scratch your belly, Carl Hasey. You scratch mine. Cousin Stewart. I was just up there uh, in Yonkers uh, yesterday for Anthony Morante to replace that crook, uh, Mike Spano, for mayor. I'll discuss that another time. It was great reception. Uh, but the real power in the state Senate is the hand of State Senator Generis, who who stabbed Peter Valone Sr. and the Valone family in the back and turned on their moderate Democratic ways and sided with the socialists of AOC all-out crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to bankrupt our state and destroy our state. So he thought that he'd be like the prodigal son returning and that they would throw some shekels his way again. But he came back empty-handed with his tail between his legs, and the media did its job. Our own Noam Layden, our news director, and James Flippin uh, reported the fact that he got wolf tickets. He got belly button lamp. But, oh, boy, did he get angry at the McWhitey-Whitey news uh, personnel. How dare they report on the truth. This unknown source, I'm a black man, that's the mayor, but my story has been interpreted by people that don't look like me. We got to be honest about that. How many blacks are in the editorial boards? How many blacks are determined how these stories are being written? Now, you see, all of a sudden in June of 2022, he reverted to playing the race card. I warned you about it during the campaign, but you didn't want to listen to me. You already anointed him mayor. You already said he's Mayor Eric Adams. We didn't even have a general election. Right? Come on, let's be honest. He was the new face of the Democratic Party, probably the future president, if not presidential candidate. You had it. You rolled out the red carpet. And for me, you gave the flea bag treatment. But, hey, this is the business of politics that I accepted by becoming the Republican nominee after crushing that Bill de Blasio, Republican, Fernando Mateo, who just disappeared from the ether. Okay. I'm a grown guy. I accepted that. The deck was stacked. But now he's back to blaming the media for all of the problems of our city government. He's hiding behind his blackness. And now he's conjuring up images of storied past of movies, of television series that depicted honorable black men being whipped by whites because they would not bend, they would not fold, they would not capitulate. Just yesterday, there was Eric Adams under fire trying to describe these hallucinatory uh, images that he was suggesting were messages from God when he turned to the majority white media, like our own Noam Laden and James Flippin, and said, you're not going to treat me like a Kunta Kinte and get me to say Toby. People can say what they want. There are those in society that still long to see me stop saying Kunta Kinte and they want me to say Toby. 
And it's uncomfortable for them. So you can whip me as much as you want. But when you take off my shirt, you'll see the scars are already done. You know, I've gotten beaten enough that I can't be beaten again. I came into government saying kute kente. I'm leaving government saying kute kente. And if you don't know who he is, go see Roots. Then he dropped the mic like he was a rapper in the middle of an MC battle, right? What the hell was that? I don't ever remember him calling himself Kunta Kinte. But I do remember the great ABC television miniseries that was watched by millions. I think it was back in 77, Roots, where Kunta Kinte was played, oh, magnificent uh, role played by LeVar Burton. And remember, the white slave trader took the whip to him and demanded that he accept the name that he was being given by the slave trader. What's your name? Gunter. What's your name? Say it. Toby. Who are you? Say your name. What's your name? Toby. That was a great scene. I'll never forget, I didn't watch every part of the miniseries, but it was just magnificent in so many ways. God, it's memorable. But do we really think that Eric Adams was treated like Kunta Kinte in that scene where he was whipped by the predominantly white media? I mean... Doesn't this belie that this guy is going through some serious mental issues? I know a lot of people don't want to talk about that because, you know, let's face it. With the presidency, we saw the 25th Amendment to the Constitution spoken about at length when Trump was president. Should he be replaced, you know, for mental deficiencies? Now we've certainly seen others uh, bring up the 25th Amendment to the Constitution about uh, Joe Biden, we don't have anything of that type within city government that I'm aware of. And I know that some are hinting that maybe the guy, the mayor needs to take some time off, compose himself because he's sounding like a totally psychotic, crazy person. You know, get himself back in shape. Maybe somebody needs to do an intervention. Maybe it is the amphetamine issue that keeps him up morning, noon, and night that I believe first and foremost it is. But then again, you have to say to yourself, who would replace him in uh, the line of leadership uh, based on first choice, second choice, third choice? Who would be the public advocate, Jumani Williams? Oh, no. we <laughs> An impaired Eric Adams is better than Jumani Williams, who would destroy this city, remove all the police, put all the criminals out in the streets, and it would be the escape of New York. All over again, that movie scenario from 1982. But let's go deeper because I don't know what it is. Maybe Eric Adams is watching these old movies. These I call them slasher movies because it, it depicts men being whipped over and over. When he was on that stage for Father's Day at the Black Baptist Church right in Flatbush, he conjured up the image of Denzel. Yeah, Denzel, you know, from Mount Vernon, Fordham University, Denzel, in glory. Remember the scenario 
where because he had gone AWOL from his black regiment to meet the woman of his dreams because he knew the next time he would rush into battle for the Union in a blue uh, a blue uniform might be the last time that he would be alive. Remember how he was flogged in front of his regiment? Remember that scene? I remember this movie called Glory with Denzel Washington. Denzel ran off the fort to go spend some time before going to war with the woman of his dreams. And when he came back, they decided his punishment was to be whipped. And they took off his shirt before they whipped him. And they looked at his back and he had a bunch of scars on there. And he told them, what could you do to me? I've been beat already. Wow. That's two different movies. He's correct. Denzel was whipped. Remember Matthew Broderick was there, Morgan Freeman. Remember, he was whipped. He was flogged. He was put up against the cannon. And they whipped him over and over and over and over. And then he led that last charge in the movie. That was a great movie. I'm assuming that the next movie that uh, Eric Adams is going to refer to was probably be Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, in which Christ was whipped over and over by the Romans. Remember, I'm, I'm sure that his uh, Svengali, his female Rasputin at City Hall, who has unfettered access with no defined position, who mentors him in spirituality, Ingrid Lewis Martin, will say, you are the black Jesus. But this is all part of his war against the media. And he screamed at the media again, as he did on Sunday. You can't do a Kunte Kinte to him. You can't do a Denzel Washington to him. He is a proud Euro-Asiatic black man who will survive the whips of the white media. What do they think they can do to me? You try to beat me with your news articles? I got the scars already. You try to beat me with your commentary? I got the scars already. You can't do anything to me? Wow. This guy's gone. And he says that all of this comes from that voice that he now hears on a regular basis that returned to him after a 30-year hiatus, most recently, the voice of God. I know whose voice I hear. I know my role. Normally, I would say, Lou, you who remember the band in the Mid-Hudson Valley, because he's into, you know, vegetables. He doesn't eat meat. Psilocybin, mushrooms. What do you think, Justin? A little shrooms. You know, you get full hallucinations where people believe that drug-induced visions are for real, that he really thinks. But I, somehow, knowing Eric Adams, as I've known him for 40 years, I don't think he's gone the counterculture, new age, holistic. I really don't. I think maybe... Just maybe it could be schizophrenia. Now, I deal with schizophrenic people all the time in the streets, the subways, the parks of New York City. There are five levels of schizophrenia. And uh, there are people who live normal lives. Most of them do not live a normal life. They're disheveled. They're homeless. They're struggling with their own demons who will have long-term conversations with me and tell me 
that they have conversations with God, just like Eric Adams has said. But when all is said and done, he's returned to his roots. Get that, Justin? He's returned to his roots. What he said for 22 years when surrounded by white police officers, remember what he said after their campaign, they released it after I lost to Eric Adams? Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable. Yeah. You really think he's changed, ladies and gentlemen, after hearing these recantations, these uh, sounds as if somehow he is the chosen black Jesus? You really think he likes white people? To him, you're all a bunch of crackers and have always been crackers. Talking about this is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Love and marriage, love and marriage. They go together like a horse and carriage. This I'll tell you, brother. You can't have one without the other. That was uh, a classic Frank Sinatra song. You would think it was Jersey Joe Piscopo's two-hour Sinatra extravaganza. No. The perfect lead-in, he says, brother. And uh, today is Gay Pride Day here at WABC. There have been a long list of guests you'll hear from all day long who are members of the gay and lesbian community. And it is interesting because um, when I ran against uh, Eric Adams, they threw everything at me. They called me a racist, a sexist, a misogynist. They called me a um, xenophobe. And then they wanted to drop the tag homophobe on me. But some of those who uh, do the deep dig, it's called negative research in any campaign, realize that I had actually officiated over the first gay marriage ever in the state of New York, and it was back in 1977 in the community room of the Monroe's Housing Projects deep in the South Bronx, in the Soundview section, same uh, Monroe Housing Projects where the great Bernard McGurk, who we miss so dearly, was born and raised. And I was marrying uh, my closer, Ralphie, meaning closer because uh, I was the night manager at McDonald's. You know that. That's where I started the Guardian Angels in 1979. He had requested of me that I marry him to his boyfriend, Vinny. And I asked for the particulars, uh, date, time, and place. And uh, I said, sure, I'll do it. Not a problem. I never had a problem with that. And I did it. I officiated the wedding. Now, most people didn't know about it other than people who worked for me at McDonald's. A great friend of mine helped mentor me uh, as a uh, manager there, keeping me sane and alive, was Don Chin. Uh, was involved with us at the start of the Guardian Angels in 1979. But unbeknownst to me, that one of my other closers, Carl Capatorto, who was born and raised in the Bronx, an Italian-American family, went on to become, in the Sopranos, little Paulie Germani. He happens to be gay. Had no idea at the time, like Ralphie. Ralphie was um, flamboyant. You knew he was gay, and he bragged he was gay. Uh, 
Carl wrote this book, Twisted Head, an Italian-American memoir, and in it he talks about how I had officiated a gay marriage in the South Bronx between Ralphie and Vinny that he had attended. It was in the Huffington Post, January 16th of 2009. So when all of these folks uh, talk about how, oh, yeah, pro-gay and lesbian marriage, they were all on the sideline. Bill and Hillary and Chappaqua, right, the whitest suburb in America where even the lawn jockeys are white. Uh, They were in in favor of the Defense of Marriage Act, as was the schmuck Schumer, as was Barack Obama and Michelle. And those gay and lesbians who were together uh, were told, just stay domestic partners. You don't want to rile people up. Don't don't push for gay and lesbian marriage. Well, at the end of uh, the article, Carl Capitorto calls me a freedom writer. He said, Curtis, of all people, was ahead of his time. I'm proud of that moment. I never let anybody come into that restaurant or in the streets abuse any gay or lesbian or they'd have to deal with me as they'll have to deal with 